0: In this episode, I'm taking the idea of input a little bit further. Now most of us are on board and understand the importance of making input comprehensible for students, but how can we check that the language is actually being understood by our students? Because if they're not understanding, they're not acquiring. I'll share some tips for checking for understanding and then what we can do with the information that we get. So let's jump in. Hello my friends, bonjour mes amis, hola mis amigos, welcome to the World Language Classroom podcast. I am Joshua Cabral and thank you so much for taking the time out of your week to listen to what other teachers are doing in their classroom, to think about what you're doing in your classroom. It is what makes you an incredible educator and I just really want to thank you so much for being the great educator that you are and for joining me of course as well. Just take a second and just make sure that you are liking or subscribing to the podcast on whatever app you happen to be listening on so that you can make sure and get each one of these episodes every Monday when they come out. So now let's jump into this topic about input and taking it a little further. We talk a lot about language input. In fact, episode 63, I did a really deep, deep, deep dive into input and output. But now I want to look at input in a different way, and I want to look at how we can check for understanding with our students when we're engaging them in all this input that we're talking about. We have spent some time talking about input, but I just want to make sure the quick rundown that everyone understands what I'm talking about when I use this word input and why it is so beneficial. So what it essentially comes down to is that if learners are not understanding, then they cannot make form-meaning connections in the language. So they're not building a linguistic system that they can use to communicate and for communicative purposes. Now, this is very much based on Henshaw and Hawkins' work in Common Ground, and go back and listen to the last couple of episodes where I talked a lot about them, had interviews with the authors of Common Ground, where we did a lot of discussion about the importance of input, and really saying that it's when students understand the language, they are starting to make these form-meeting connections, and that essentially they are building subconsciously this language system, this linguistic system in their minds, or in their mind-brain, as Bill Van Patten sometimes refers to it as and to quote Stephen Krashen, he says that students should be compelled to understand. So it's not just understanding, but there's a strong interest in the language that they're reading or listening to, and they want to understand it. And that compelling input is just as important, if not as important or even more important than making the input itself comprehensible. So another quick recap to make sure we're all on the same page before we look at some tips and ways of going about checking for understanding, this role of comprehensible input. Why is it that students understanding the language is so critically important? And this is based on Stephen Krashen's input hypothesis. And he says that learners progress in their knowledge of the language when they comprehend the language that they are hearing or that they're reading, so language input in some way, and when it's slightly more advanced than their current level, then they are able to start building these patterns in their mind and to subconsciously create this linguistic system. So not just language that they completely understand, because they're not going to grow in proficiency in any way if it's always just what they understand, but you always want to be slightly above their current level of understanding. And Krashen refers to this as I plus one, where I is the learner's current level of understanding, and that plus one is that next level up that's going to help to Push them to that next proficiency level. If you want to do a big old listen on Crashen and his input hypothesis, I will link episode 32 into the uh, show notes so that you can spend some time with that as well. But this helps us to remember that fluent language that's well above a student's understanding isn't exactly beneficial to them because they're unable to make those four meaning connections. And then they can't have the language make its way into their developing language system. And so Krashen also points out that This is, in fact, one of the biggest benefits of learning a language in the classroom. It's that the teacher is able to provide input that's comprehensible to them and then has an understanding of what that next level will be so they can do that I plus one. So if a learner is just out in the world where the language is spoken fluently and you're just hearing it, you're not necessarily going to be making those four meaning connections as easily and then having the language subconsciously being developed in your linguistic system. So the teacher is actually providing a more beneficial situation for the learner by making it language that is comprehensible to them. So it's that I plus one, their current language, and then a little more. So that's sort of the theoretical background about input. But before we look at checking for understanding to make sure students are in fact understanding the input, and then how we can in fact make the input comprehensible, Before we look at some ways for checking the understanding of our students, because we want to make sure that the language that they are reading or that they are listening to is in fact comprehensible, and we'll figure out some ways to check for that and then what to do if they are understanding and also what to do if they're not, let's look at how we can in the first place try to make sure that the input is in fact comprehensible to students. So how can we do that? We want to keep in mind that the topic and the text type, meaning is it single words, is it some chunked phrases, is it full discrete sentences, is it strings of sentences, full-on paragraphs in the language, we want to make sure that that text type as well as the topic are appropriate for the student's proficiency level. Because if it is well above, they're not going to be able to understand. So we want to have an idea of what their current proficiency level is so that we are providing language that is comprehensible and then a little bit more challenging that plus one. So some things that we can do to make sure that they are also able to understand that plus one, just a little bit above their proficiency level, is to use things like visual cues. Maybe you have some pictures that are representing images or concepts that are being spoken about, or maybe they're watching a video, so therefore they have some oral language as well as some visual cues or you just have pictures of things that they're reading about as they're reading that helps them to move along in understanding it. If you're speaking body language sometimes helps where you can do some kind of gestures that can make it look more obvious the words that you're using or some emotions and then we also can think about using target language equivalents, which sometimes means cognates or things like that where students will be able to leverage the knowledge of that as they're listening in the target language we can also use things like examples of common associations like brands or names of teams Like if you're trying to talk about some kind of shoes or clothing, if you mention a store that sells that kind of clothing, and it's a brand that they recognize, or a team, if you're talking about specific sports, then if you can mention a team that they know is a team that plays within that league or that sport, then they'll be able to reference that. So you're not actually abandoning the target language, you're just using some common references that they will hear and be able to associate that with what you're saying and then make meaning of that plus one says they're trying to get a global understanding and make that form meaning connection with the language we can also do things like just slowing down and maybe simplifying the language a little more and maybe making structures that are less complex And also really, really important is to circumlocute, and that is using the same skills of circumlocution that we would teach students to do when they don't know the word for something, that they can use the language they do have to convey the idea without actually saying the word if they don't know it. And if we practice that same skill as we are providing comprehensible input to students, then they'll be able to see that as a model. So those are some ways of making the input more comprehensible. So we looked at visual cues, some body language, some target language equivalents, including cognates, looking at examples of common association like teams or brands, and then just slowing down and simplifying our language, and then ultimately trying to use circumlocution, which is also going to help students in their journey towards using circumlocution as well. So we have our idea of input. We know why it's important that students understand the language that they're reading and hearing. We talked about some ways of making the input comprehensible to students. But we still have to make sure that they are, in fact, understanding, because even with using all those techniques and tips for making the language comprehensible, sometimes they may not be there. They may not be there at that place of truly understanding, truly comprehending. So why should we check for understanding? Why do we need to make sure that they're doing that? Well, essentially, it's this idea that it's going to help us or it's going to help all teachers ensure that their students are engaged and understanding. Because if we aren't checking in to make sure and we're just going and having them read, read, read or listen, 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 and just assuming that it's all being understood, that's not always the case. So we want to make sure that students are understanding. And so we can ask students to do something or say something to demonstrate their comprehension. And we'll look at some specific ways of doing that. And any sort of effective check for comprehension... Will be frequent and should happen throughout a lesson. So don't let a paragraph go by. Don't, depending on the proficiency level, you know, don't let three or four sentences go by. Don't let them read an entire page without doing some sort of comprehension check, because this is going to create a detailed picture of student learning for the teacher. Because once we're able to gauge their level of comprehension, then we can say, okay, we need to do more visual cues because a lot of students aren't quite there yet. Or we need to slow down and maybe circumlocute and Look at some more, maybe body language or saying something in a different way or using a different cognate that'll help students. So, what we get from our comprehension checks, we need to make sure that we honor the information. So, if it's not there, if we're seeing that the majority of students are not comprehending, then we need to stop, not quite move on yet, and deal with that fact. And if they are understanding, then we will, in fact, have an opportunity to move on, and go further. So it is really important to do these checks for understanding. So if students don't understand, there is no learning or acquisition taking place. They cannot make those four meaning connections. They're not building that linguistic system that they can use for communicative purposes, which is the whole point of input. Now, when students are learning a new word or phrase or a structure, they will need multiple opportunities for input before being expected to produce output. So those comprehension checks are going to provide students that time they need to process language and receive feedback through comprehension checks. So... We have our reasoning there of why we're doing these comprehension checks and why they're useful. So through the check for understanding, the teacher will have an accurate picture of what students are processing and then can modify that input to increase student understanding. And if the students are not understanding, then we can use some additional strategies to make sure that the language is more comprehensible and also ensure that all students can meet or even exceed the targets of the lesson. Since learners vary in how quickly they acquire new structures or vocabulary, When teachers check for comprehension, they can identify who is ready for the next step and who needs more input. Sometimes you'll wanna do it as a whole group. Sometimes you'll wanna do it by subgroups based on where they are with their understanding. That's all gonna depend on the nature, structure, and what your class actually looks like and the students that you have in front of you. But checking for understanding lets you, the teacher, know which students are ready to move on, and which ones need additional help in reaching that learning target. This knowledge then allows the teacher to modify instruction in a way that is closely aligned with individual students' needs. This is true differentiation. So if differentiation is something that's used a lot in your school, it's talked about and expected, then we have opportunities to truly engage authentically with differentiation. So we started by looking at why input that's comprehensible is essential for acquiring language, making those four meaning connections. Then we looked at some ways of making the input comprehensible to students, things like gestures and cognates, things like that. And then we looked at why we should check for understanding rather than just going, 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 and moving on to something else because, again, if they're not understanding, they're not acquiring. So as we are checking for understanding, and we are going to get the tips to do that. Don't worry, we're going to get there soon. But first, I want to look at some questions about checking for understanding. So a question such as, how often should you check? And as I mentioned, depending on the proficiency level, if these are novice level students, we're thinking after every couple of sentences that they're either reading out loud or you're reading out loud to them or something that they're reading that they have to do some sort of activity to show their understanding after just a couple of sentences whereas if they're more proficient students they're a higher proficiency level where they're reading paragraphs and pages then at least after every page or two or after every paragraph or after every two or three paragraphs just so they're not going too far because you want to make sure that you're providing further scaffolding further support in making the language comprehensible if they're not there. And then another question is, do students have to produce language to demonstrate their understanding? And I would say that particularly at the novice level, you are definitely going to understand language that you're not able to produce. So I would say in terms of answering yes or no questions or either or questions, things like that the students can produce in the language, but they're not going to produce large amounts of language in a way that an intermediate mid or intermediate high advanced student is going to be able to do. So it's not necessary to produce the language to show that you understand it, but it is an opportunity to engage with the language and show your understanding using the target language. We just want to make sure that it's at their appropriate proficiency level. And then is students demonstration of their understanding aligned with the target language proficiency level? Because we might realize wow, the students aren't necessarily understanding this, and it might be because the proficiency level is off. Maybe it's way too easy, and they're flying through it because it's all at I, and there's no I plus one, or maybe it's well above their proficiency level, and that's the reason they're not understanding. So you could do lots of cognates and visual cues and all kinds of things like that to help scaffold that to make sure that they the input is comprehensible, but if it's way above their proficiency level, they're just not going to Be there. So you want to make sure to adjust and accommodate for their appropriate proficiency level. And then what are we doing with the information gleaned from our checking? If we're seeing that they're not understanding, are we revisiting and helping them and doing more supports or are we moving on because we think, oh, they should understand this when in fact they don't. So if we're going to go through this whole idea of checking for understanding, then whatever we get from what they understand, we need to honor that and then do something with it. So now, here is the meat of it, and then what are some strategies for checking for comprehension? So, word language students need to experience the language through the language, right? So I was just saying, do they have to produce the language to show they understand? So I would say that we should strive to check comprehension in the target language, but maybe it is a one or two word output that is going to show their understanding, not necessarily large explanations, unless they are at a higher proficiency level where they are able to synthesize the information and write about it and speak about it in a much more complicated manner than a lower intermediate or novice student is able to do but we should strive to do as much as possible comprehension checks maintaining the target language but simply asking things like do you understand is not a comprehension check because it's often not helpful because learners might just say yes or just say no or it becomes somewhat of a meaningless exercise and I can't tell you the number of times I've been in uh, workshops or trainings or things like that, and I will hear the presenter say, does that make sense? Does that make sense? And it's sort of yes, but it makes sense how I think I think I understand it, but I actually don't know for sure that I'm understanding it correctly. So do you understand and does that make sense are not necessarily going to be the most effective ways. So in looking at some more effective ways to check for understanding, I'm going to reference a little bit of the tell project here and that's Telproject.org if you want to look into some of the work that they do. But some of these ideas are being pulled from the TELL Project, but also from the books Checking for Understanding by Fisher and Frey that was published in 2007, and also from Total Participation Techniques, which are Himmel and Himmel from 2012, which I highly recommend. Uh, it's not necessarily specific to the language classroom, it's more general education, but both of these books are really helpful for checking for understanding. So first I want to look at some verbal strategies where students are going to produce target language to show their understanding of what they're listening or what they're reading. So we could ask students to summarize where students will summarize what the teacher has said or what they've read and then you can have a second student summarize what the first student said you know so it might be helpful to split up the class and have one class write what they hear and then maybe share out from there so this will provide students an opportunity to summarize what they've heard or what they've read and then Also, students are listening to that and then paraphrasing again what they've said. This is going to be much more of a higher proficiency level for the most part, Uh, but you you might be able to get away with this at intermediate low, certainly going into intermediate mid. Then there's also the idea of exit and entrance slips. And so in this case, I would say it's more of an exit slip where students can complete an exit or entrance slip orally or in writing on their way in or out of the door. I tend to stand at the door every day when my students are leaving and I do a quick check either a question or engage them in some sort of topic that takes 10 seconds as they're walking out just to make sure that they grasp a particular concept sometimes i'll tell them in advance what i want them to do as they're leaving and sometimes i'll just make them up each individual student as they're walking out so you can maybe use task cards or something that's already done i tend to just make it up on the spot you know as you're leaving tell me these two things and it's based on what we had read or what we had talked about in class that day so you can gauge their understanding with that and then you know just questioning teachers questioning students using things like yes no questions true false questions either or open-ended questions with question words particularly if you're reading something that will help students to engage. It's almost like circling, if you're looking at circling in the classroom. But you can ask students, did this happen? Yes or no? Did that happen? Yes or no? Did this or that happen? Is this true or false, this statement, based on what we read or what I just talked about or just something that we listened to? So those questioning techniques will give a general idea of whether or not they're following globally the topic that they're listening to or that they're reading. But again, once we get those answers, we want to then have that inform our teaching going forward because any sort of comprehension check is essentially formative assessment. So if they're leaving the classroom and you're doing that formative check for understanding, then that's going to inform what you do in the next class based on the information that you got from there. If you're asking in real time yes or no questions, either or, again, have the answers to those questions inform where you go from there. So those are some verbal strategies and then some quick non-verbal strategies. Again, does the language have to be produced to show understanding? Not necessarily. So maybe some nonverbal strategies. So you could have students act something out or use a gesture. Uh, Perhaps they are learning about pastimes or um, hobbies, different things like that, sports. And you can say words and students can act out what they are. Or have other students say different words about what you're studying and have students act it out. And you can quickly see. The majority of students are not. You could ask students perhaps to close their eyes so they're not necessarily watching the other students around them, and you can get a quick sense of if they understand drawing and singing or skiing or playing baseball or dancing, anything like that, doing a gesture to show it. Or you can have students do something like drawing or writing. Students can draw pictures or write words to show their understanding. I use a lot of whiteboards and markers in my classroom. That's a quick and easy way. Ask a question, having students write down an answer, and you can do a quick check just when they hold them up, and you get a good sense from there. You can have students do things like sequencing pictures, like if they're reading a story, you can have them put pictures in order, retelling what happened. They could draw pictures and then have other students put them in order so you're not always creating everything, But if students are sequencing pictures either in a story or information in an article that they're reading, then they can put that series of pictures in that correct order. And then perhaps as they listen again or read again, they can verify the sequence of events or details that came up. So it's that first time they listen, they read, they sequence and then they go back and they listen again or they read again and they can check their sequence. Or you can have partners check each other's to make sure that they're going that way. So if you have students match written descriptions to pictures, perhaps that's another way of having them show their understanding. So you might have pictures, you might have some details from a text or something they were listening to or maybe a video you were watching and they can match them up that way. And again, all of these are going to be formative in the moment comprehension checks for the language. And okay, yes, I see that most students, they match these all up correctly, so we're gonna keep going on for the next 30 seconds of the video, or Students didn't really get this. We maybe have to go back. Maybe we have to slow the video down a little bit. Maybe I have to provide some gestures or cognates or maybe circumlocute some of the ideas and concepts that are being talked about to help students better understand it. Because again, we are doing these formative assessments, these checks for understanding for the input, but we want to make sure that we are in fact changing or modifying our teaching after we get that information so we started by looking at our reasoning for comprehensible input for building that form meaning connection and having that linguistic system develop and looked at some ways of making sure that the language is comprehensible to students with things like gestures and cognates And then we moved into really looking concretely and in actionable ways how we can check for that understanding, how often we should do it, how we can do it either verbally or non-verbally. Always coming back to the idea of whatever information we learn from these formative checks for comprehension, we need to make sure that we honor that with what we do next in our teaching. So I hope that you are feeling reassured that some of the things that you were already doing in your classroom that I talked about, that you can go back and think, yes, I'm on the right track and I'm doing this. And maybe you found a couple of additional ways to check for understanding and for providing comprehensible input. So take these ideas back to your classroom and make that input maybe just a little bit more comprehensible and check for understanding a little more often and make sure that we are are in fact honoring the information we get from that. Be sure to check out the show notes where you'll see the links to a couple of previous episodes where I did a little bit more of a deep dive into some of the topics if you haven't listened to them already. You'll also see the link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. There are also links to get in touch with me if you'd like to work together either in person in your school or remotely. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. you've been listening to the world language classroom podcast be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode let's continue the conversation on twitter facebook or instagram at wl classroom you can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at you guessed it wlclassroom.com